before, which was to say hello, Sandra, and welcome. Hello, it's very lovely to have you um, on our original podcast. Welcome. And okay. we have never actually met in real life, mm. and so that's quite an interesting thing. But we have had some conversations, and I have had glimpses of your work and seen bits of your work since we kind of connected last autumn during lockdown. Um, so welcome, and I'm going to invite you to introduce yourself because you'll be able to do it much better than I can. So this is Sandra Boom. Hmm. Hello, hello, hello everyone. Hello, uh, I'm so happy to be here. Um, uh, yeah, a process to, to get recording, but I'm really excited that we are. Um, and uh, I've also never, of course, met you in real life, as you said, and it is very strange that the only time and space that we share is online. Um, but also I see it as a blessing and I see how fortunate we are to at least be able to connect, even if we can't be in the same physical space. Mm. Uh, introductions are in order then. So mm. <laughs> I'm Sandra Boom. My pronouns are they, them, and she, her. And I am a transdisciplinary artist, which means I uh, work with many different disciplines. Uh, some of them are acting, dancing, drag performance, um, poetry, and astrology. Throw it in there. Uh, <laughs> I am also a baby contortionist that is part of uh, <laughs> that, that is part of my practice and informs my movement sometimes. Um, I'm, I've been called the visual artist before and that's a new label that I am slowly inhabiting. Um, and yeah, the list goes on, but. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing, Sandra, you know, labels and identities. And, you know, if I think back to when I was your age, um, the world felt very different. It kind of felt like you had to choose what you were going to do and pursue it. And if you just maybe jumped tracks a little bit, you know, it's like, oh, you're not serious. You're a dilettante. You're you know, a jack of all trades, just do one thing and do it well. But I think it, I think the world is different now. I agree. In, in, a, in the best way possible, I think yeah. that's changing. Um, it's still very present, though. It's still um, very present, especially uh, in uh, people that are not artists necessarily. Right. Or people that are, are artists and do have that area that they've dedicated themselves to and they really don't understand how you can do multiple things right so, but i think i i attribute most of that logic and um that discourse to capitalism and mm. the idea that i have to know what i'm hiring you for yeah and uh so you have to uh sell yourself as this one thing I can trust and I know where my money is going mm. and how I can, even if I'm not hiring you, categorize you because yeah. then there is the hierarchy is maintained, which is very capitalist. That is really interesting. I hadn't really thought of it so clearly, but it seems blindingly obvious, really, that sense of um, uh, value. And if I don't know what you are, how can I assign mm. a value to you? 
Mm-hmm. I, I completely get that because it relates to me around ideas of success and failure, which is the same, you know, being able to evaluate, as you say, Dan, you know, when I was purely working as an actor and I felt that that it felt to me, and I'm going back a long time when I was just working as an actor, it felt really important at that time to just be being an actor because otherwise if I had to do something else, then it felt like that was kind of saying, well, I must be failing as mm-hmm. an actor because I'm not, I'm not doing that all the time. And so what I've noticed over my lifetime, it's been really lovely to grow into a place where, well, no, actually it doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean I, I am still that actress, that artist, that performer, that's still there. And some days I choose to do something different as well. Which that comes, is valuable. Which, that is valuable. And that comes out of things that I've learned as being a performer. So it's all, everything feels like much more blended. And so consequently, yeah, you can't attach the value to it absolutely in the, in the, way, in the same way. Um, but I think it is still there, as you said, Sandra. So, For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I really like what you what you both said. Uh, I, I like the fact that it seems obvious now from from this conversation. And I also really like the fact that um, you are able to see in your own journeys of like starting. I mean, I know from previous conversation as well that you done as well, were primarily doing acting or only acting. And now you do narrative, you do, you know, like you have explored your practices in, within, within different disciplines, potentially within different things and without feeling like you're cheating on your acting or that you're not an actor anymore because you're not doing only that. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you're failing, as you said, like, yeah, and that your value doesn't go away. And, and as you were speaking as well, what came into my mind was this phrase that a wise ancient Greek man has said that now is escaping me. <laughs> <laughs> there were a few of them. <laughs> Take a pick. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm shaming my Greek roots. Uh, <laughs> um, no, um yeah, so uh, I will find the name because I don't want to quote the wrong man. <laughs> but, <laughs> we can uh, always put it, the name into the notes. We can yeah. put the name into the program now. I mean, it's a it's a Google search away. <laughs> <laughs> I feel very exposed because like <laughs> it's at the back of my of my mind somewhere. Like, it's give us the words, head. but give us the words. Yeah, yes. or, or the spirit of the quote. Yes, the, I know the quote. Like, and I know it in English. I know it in ancient. <laughs> I know it in Greek, but I can't remember the name. Um, you are what you repeatedly do, do is the quote that I wanted to bring uh, forth from all the thoughts that were forming as you were speaking, Jane, because what is identity, you know? And what makes us stop being something and start being something? And, you know, like, um, so for me, what's been liberating, it can also be used Uh, as something to punish yourself and be like I'm not practicing enough so I'm not you know an actor because I'm not acting enough but at the same time I feel for the way I interpret this is well it's all in me the acting the talent the potential it's just I need to practice it more and when I do practice it then I'm doing it then I am it Mm -hmm. so 
I mean, not to be super simplistic as well. Of course, training and education is important. I, I have a master's degree. I'm thinking of a PhD. I'm not like bashing, you know, training and education or, <laughs> you know, uh, other qualifications. If you so feel like you need, I am a person that works well with other people and I'm good at leading, but also and doing things by myself, but also I really enjoy ensemble work and learning with others, which is why I've chosen to go the education route. And it brought me to Goldsmiths in London and the UK, like all my studies have been here. So I, uh, I really love, you know, set ways in a sense that I can go somewhere and take and learn, but also I take what I need and what I want and I put it in my practice. And then it, I don't feel like it has to be categorized, as we said, as this one thing and have this one name. Um, Great. Great. Um, Sandra, there's, there's a lot in there and I'd love to, I'd love to go back. I'd love to go back. You've, yeah. you, you've, referenced your greek roots and <laughs> you know the, the the name of this um of these podcasts is original because we always find it really interesting to to hear somebody explore what they consider their origins to be you know to take us back to the moments uh in your life that have significantly to find you getting to this moment here. And there's something about your Greek origins that I love how you, how you hold that. Uh, I've, you talk about it on your website, how it sits within you as an artist. So I'd love you to take us, take us back. For sure. I'll take you back to Aristotle. That's the person. <laughs> <laughs> Great. There he is. We found him. For a second, yeah. <laughs> Uh, of course it was Aristotle um, so yeah um, and then I'll, I'll skip ahead to 1993 onwards <laughs> which is when I was born um, and yeah I it's really interesting because I didn't connect you know a lot of the time you don't know what your origin is until you see what your origin is not right interesting, so yeah. I didn't the connection to my place of origin and my upbringing was not as clear and or clear at all at times until I went to like as I said I left at 18 to come to study in the UK I went to Wales um at the time uh, at a very renowned university for film it was the fourth in the ranking in the world I was like mm -hmm. in love with film and then I fell in love with theater and then I fell in love with everything <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I kept all of them <laughs> um so yeah um I uh didn't know what made me different and Greek and from Patras mm -hmm. and what was different in my family as well and in myself from what I took from my surroundings because uh, obviously not everyone in Patras or anyone in any city in the world is going to be the same just because they grew up in the same place um, not even you know brothers and sisters and siblings are the same and it's just no, kind of like going from the bigger image like like and distilling it down to find really the origin that was my journey um 
And yeah, um, I realized, you know, one of the first things I realized about my origin is that I have a rhythm and I speak especially, which is apparently coming from my city and uh, my city is very near Italy. Uh, we are a ferry boat away um, and there is an influence there for sure. Um, there, there are intonations in the way that I talk and I also oh. talk uh, like a Southern Greek and we talk uh, faster and more rhythmically and singing like than the other Greek that I encountered in that university. And we, you know, we also uh, had other things in common, became friends. And she was one of the first people and her mom that was like pointing out all of our differences. And I was like, okay, so, you know, those things. And then, uh, as you said, Dan, in my website, I have found what has really like influence me and my practice and I do relate it back to the Dionysian celebrations the mm. festivals mm. because it is carnival my city is the city of carnival mm. um, and that I can absolutely tell has influenced me as a performer my quality of of movement and expression uh, as well as uh, the costume and the presence and the um visual aspect of what I do um and yeah it's it's funny because nobody knows that Patras is the city of carnival (laughs) except people from Patras (laughs) yeah I mean the rest of Greece knows (laughs) (laughs) okay but like it's it's a very well-kept secret for some reason I think it's bad marketing I've we've we've had that conversation as well in like one of our pre-conversations where we said that I mean Ancient Greece was great, did great marketing. Uh, <laughs> the Latins did even better marketing and modern Greece is really bad at marketing. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, know, you know, the very worst of, of the current times and we still keep the old good, good old days as our yeah pride and glory. Um, so yeah, nobody knows. And I thought it was very important for me to uh, put it in the definition on on who uh, on on my about section um mm-hmm. to uh yeah give the context of who I am and how I relate to my origin okay so I want you to help us to travel in time and space and I want to go to Patras and it might be in the late 1990s or the early 2000s and I want you to show me that carnival I mean Oh, my God. (laughs) Tell us about your first, you know, like, or your early immersion into that carnival. I, that's funny, because my earliest memory is my dad working. It's it's something I've watched back. I I am a baby in the video, so I'll take you to that video. There is. There are there are a few, so Patras is a big city and, and there are a couple of local TV stations that are Patras's TV stations and my dad works in the biggest one it's called Ahaya TV and um, there is a show going on about the carnival and my mom is holding my mom is backstage or like you know she's she's behind the camera people 
And at some point I see my dad who, who is a technician also behind, um, you know, the show, uh, behind the cameras. And I see him and I shout to him, Rogo, which was my way of saying his name, which is Yoros. So I'm shouting that in the middle of the show. And people are like, oh my God, look at that, that adorable baby. And I, and I come into the show uh, and wow. I'm dressed up because it's carnival. And uh, everyone is like playing music and we're dancing all together and I'm having my cameo or like my little like, uh, TV appearance. <laughs> so, so what's your costume? What are you wearing? I vaguely remember that because also the quality of the tape is really bad. It's like you know, nineteen nineties, and I yeah. don't know which camera caught it and how we had old that, school, old yeah, school that cassette TV like you know, recording. Um, and I I remember I think I'm wearing something like a Minnie Mouse costume, like a, a red dress and the ears and something like that. And Brilliant. Yeah, I'm I'm sure I'm sparkling. Like <laughs> that's a given somehow. <laughs> and um, yeah, and I am I'm yeah, living my best life. I am I'm high on life <laughs> that moment as a as a baby Minnie Mouse who's just made. Uh, their first TV appearance <laughs> at the ripe age of one, two. I love wow. that. I love that. That's like your your first drag was Minnie Mouse. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's a great. Yeah. That's, a, that's a great origin moment because um, those those family moments that then become part of a family mythology or a family story because you'll you may have some sense memory of it but when we're really really young actually some of those memories we just inherit from other people's memories them telling the, us the story showing us the video mm. and then that mixture of I've seen the video and can does does mm. my does my body and brain actually remember being there or do I remember the video or connect with the video? Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. I I vaguely remember being at the TV station. I, I don't know if it was that moment or if it was yeah. another one. Um, but also, I don't want to miss on the opportunity to take you at the Greek carnival in Patras. Please, take us. Oh my God, anytime, please. And also, oh, I mean, you mean literally? I, oh, yeah, I do mean literally as well. I'd love to. <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to. Uh, it is one of the things that I think everyone should experience and everyone should participate in. Um, of course, the, it, I've romanticized it a little bit and I'm a bit nostalgic of course it's sure. not perfect like anything and it actually has quite a few issues uh, once you get into the technicalities of who is organizing it and um, I'm just giving the disclaimer now because I'm about to be like this is the best thing on earth uh, <laughs> and like you know like um overly enjoying drinks and all of that like you know it's a time to like really let loose and sometimes that goes overboard so that disclaimer being yeah. said yeah uh, yeah that's the carnival that's the car that's, that's yeah. how they that's work carnival. carnival you know like yes um all right i'll take you i'm on a prom because again, I was at the baby carnival. There is a children's carnival and there is an adult's carnival. So I'll take you at the children's carnival with me. I'm on a prom because I get tired <laughs> of like running. We have a very, what feels like a very long parade if you're a, a young child. Um, 
but the whole city is blasting with music. All of the city center has speakers all over it, like uh, with the, the, the 90s hits, <laughs> as well as some carnival anthems that are 80s anthems and 60s and 70s and like every then also you know uh that is not just greek music it is like classics that you would definitely recognize so um, if you, when you take yourself back there what do you hear what's the song that's playing i hear first of all the whistles is that yeah, yeah. <laughs> like crazy whistles the song that's playing it's probably a Greek song that's dedicated to the carnival and it's like uh, a little bit taboo. Like, um, What's it called? <laughs> uh, I think it's, oh my God, this is not for the children's carnival, what I'm listening <laughs> It's called- Yeah, memory does that. Memory kind of mashes everything together. <laughs> I'm interested called... because I'm, yeah. I'm hearing the whistles, the music, but of course I'm thinking of you know, I'm thinking of the samba, I'm thinking of Rio, but it's not that yeah, because yeah. that's that's a different culture. So it's yeah. 90s pop music. I can, I can, yeah, I don't know if it, they'll ask for their copyrights, but I can play it for you. I found it. <laughs> let's um, let's no, save that. No, 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 it's all right. <laughs> uh, but like, <laughs> I was looking for the title because um, there are, there is, anyway, there are two, or you can say it through the lyrics, but it's called Tuergaleo, which means the tool, which is also a euphemism. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. We get it. Get it. And, I wonder uh, if that's on Spotify. I need to watch that. And it's traditional for the Patras Festival, this to be yes, played. Yes. Yes. Got it. Um, got I it. remember it, it, like uh, singing some of the lyrics as a child, some of. Uh, which I didn't know what they meant, but they weren't very explicit or whatever. Yeah. So you're in the streets, there's the whistles, there's the music. How old are you? I am probably uh, seven. Well, well, not in the prom, sorry. In the prom, I am, I am, I was thinking of the, when I was able to go with the adults as well, I had been as a child at the adult carnival. But yeah, so so you so that yeah. one, you're you're seven years old, you're with the adults. Um are there siblings, are there family around you? What who are you with? My mum certainly. Also, we've taken at least three hours to get ready. <laughs> In a rush. <laughs> like wow. we just like, you know, like um the hair like you know getting in costume then the makeup because my mom was doing my makeup and her makeup and like um I have a half sister I remember her being around I didn't think she came to the carnival with us but we did her makeup yeah and like the hairspray and then we had to get the glitter hairspray <laughs> and the yeah and also to get all the supplies so every year the whistles um the extra accessories for the costume um the what else uh the serpentines is what we call them but i don't know if that's the right um name in english as well but it is this uh very long paper string mm. that you blow air to and it oh, just yeah yeah and it yeah. unrolls. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know what we call those. It's like a party blower yeah, or something. Like yeah. a party blower. Yeah. 
Yeah, so yeah. we have we have to have our stash, and <laughs> then also we are picking up my cousins, who are uh, my two boy cousins. Uh, we are we are like siblings. Uh, we we do everything together, and yeah, we are. And probably their mom, my aunt, is coming with us at the carnival as well. And I think my dad was. Yeah, my dad is working. So we are at the carnival, get to the parade, we're all together. And my dad is working and would always have our moment at the camera because my dad was working. <laughs> <laughs> and after my debut, they couldn't get enough. <laughs> you I'm couldn't joking. get enough. <laughs> but I don't know if they remembered me or not, but like every year I would go and say hi to my dad and I would have like my interview moment with the... <laughs> well, that's so funny. Yeah. So good. Yeah. This is yeah. a great, this is a great memory, Sandra. Um, and to come back to how you, you know, you don't describe this in your about bit on your website, okay, yeah. but, you, but, but you very succinctly just say something about the rhythm of carnival being part of your work mm. and part mm. of, of your, you as a creative person, you as a person in the world. So I'm just interested, yes, I totally get that we don't know our origin moments until we get some distance from mm. them. And then we might get a little revelation about, oh, yeah, I come from this place and that has informed my journey and who I am now. So that idea of the rhythm, you've talked about the rhythm of your speech, but mm. the rhythm of carnival um, mm -hmm. being your origin. Say a little bit more about that. Hmm um i i wanted to as you were speaking i realized as well that i mean it might sound to people that i'm doing like carnival performance all the time and then they may okay. enc encounter uh lockdown chronicles which is the film that you met me through and be like what i didn't sign up for this um let's just say that i've had a long and dense journey and <laughs> this is just part of it just a part of it um an important one but not the only and uh yeah so also i think it informs the campness of camp the camp element of my personality and performance so i thought that was important to add and in terms of specifically your question and the rhythm i think um yeah, it is related to um, the way that um, I guess I I view movement and I view performance. Um, so what what is um, the most important part of it? Um, what is the crescendo? What mm -hmm. is you know and it's not just the rhythm of the physical movement but mm -hmm. also where the how the performance is built mm -hmm. i think that's uh really how deep it goes and links into that's really uh, interesting makes i mean makes me think about stories and storytelling and that's what we we keep coming back to for for ourselves in our practice and the rhythm of a story yes we when we talk to people about shaping a story it's not just about um a series of events it's how you take us on a journey which has shape to it rhythm mm -hmm. to it um how you keep people engaged through that with rhythm so it's it's really fascinating yes to hear you think about 
rhythm, not just a physical rhythm, but rhythm of an experience, I guess. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. the other thing I really want to pick up on is the Dionysus. Yeah. Can't let Dionysus be mentioned exactly. and not kind of open that up. That's where I was going because that's like, so that's in, that's in the genes as well, because yeah. that, you know, that's, uh, that wildness is yes. from th thousands and thousands of years. Well, say a little bit, because it yeah, might yeah. be some people don't know what that means, that kind of Dionysian roots of theatre or whatever, or performance. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, so, I mean, let's, uh, I'll start from uh, current times and, like, take us back. So the carnival derived by the Dionysian festivals as well as theatre. But like the closest thing I would say that we have today in contemporary Greece is not theater to the Dionysian festivals. It is the carnival that's the closest to them um, because it does have that element of ecstasies almost and like you know that wildness that like extreme releasing and like, you know, expansion of being that the ego kind of falls away and you are just these bodies leaving this experience all together and sharing and, you know, like just becoming one with the music, the energy, rather than just, you know, uh, who, like away from your labels as we were like, and no one knows who anyone else is. It's just about this moment and this energy and this connection and, the potential of ecstasies and you know like all of that so that you can see how i link them very yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very directly and I, again you know this is coming from my experience and there might be people that experience the carnival differently but it is the closest thing that we have to those festivals that were about uh ecstasies and they were about satire and they were about because also we have the floats that are part of yes satire. we have like um the references and the costumes and the themes of the carnival that are part of that um so there are direct connections still running throughout uh, mm -hmm. the dionysian festivals and uh currently the carnival in greece um and also it's very political in Greece now, the satire as well. Like you might see um, uh, political figures as part of the float. Right. And, uh, and we do burn. That's another thing again. Sorry, I'm just going through the parallels. It's just that's yeah. where it's leading me. Yeah. Um, but we burn uh, the carnival king every year in the sea. You know, so that's another part of it's so ritualistic and so, um, yeah, so much in that spirit of pure magical releasing and mm. working with the elements. You know, we have the water, we have the fire, we have like the the sounds of the music and mm. the energy of the people just bringing everything together in like a very ritualistic festival experience. Um, and I can't forget about, well, again, current carnival, but the, um, uh, what's it called? <laughs> I can't forget it and I forgot them. <laughs> um, the things that light up the sky. Fireworks. fireworks. Okay, <laughs> thank you. So yeah, like it's still... Yeah. It's literally fireworks and it's uh, figuratively as well. Um, but uh, how I relate it is 
I feel in my being that this is something that is so embedded and embodied in me that is hard to explain. Hmm. You know, when something just feels so integrally part of you that is hard to define. Um, but of course, um, yeah, having that element of going wild, of needing to have that like experience of release to the point of just being and to the point of reaching ecstasy and to the point of being one with everything is something that I want to have I and I need to have regularly and I have made part of my practice mm. um also a clubbing experience to me can be similar like that's kind of like when I know I've had a good clubbing night when I've reached that point of like release and just being and you know with other people and yes exactly um and then I can speak about well the the Dionysian festivals themselves um other than having informed of course contemporary Greek culture and the world (laughs) in the sense that uh of course we know so many things about ancient Greece um, there were different kinds. So, the, of course, there was the theatre, uh, that's where theatre came from, and that's where comedy came from, arguably, because it was part of, like, uh, the festival, and there are two different types that were happening in the fields, and they were happening in the city, and um, it is very dense and very... Uh, um, wonderful if someone wants to look into it but as a feeling I think we've really tapped into it I don't know Mm. uh I think that's what it is for me it is that like wildness connection with others to the point of just being one and yeah it's it's amazing and it takes me back to the Aristotle you know you are Mm. what you do and so most of the time we because of capitalism we are very often forced to live within structures or we live within particular structures so therefore the importance of having ritual where actually Mm. we we break out of the structures and yeah we are one with nature with one another you know it's something much more elemental so Mm. we Mm. are what we do so we have to do that sometimes yeah exactly Thank you. Thank you for saying for putting it in those words that's that sums it that sums it up uh well, I think. And also as you were speaking, I realized as well that's kind of what I bring because I do do rituals, I do moon rituals. So yes. my favorite ones are the ones that again I am able to do them outside in nature with others and there is I have done them via zoom and I have done them in person and as an intimate circle of people has been the who I know and we can like allow ourselves to go there to be wild to be to release when is needed so you know with movement meditation which is one of my favorite practices to bring to these rituals uh, we can just get grounded, connect, and dance with our intentions, dance with each other, dance with the elements, root ourselves in the earth, and like feel one with the sky and you know, like the trees. And yeah, um, 
yeah the uh, the need for ritual on, on our daily lives or at least regularly is something that I find extremely important as well. Mm. Well, Sandra, there's so many little things I want to pick up on there, but that the first one I want to kind of identify is that other element of carnival, which is inversion, which is people being able to be something they're not. That mm. idea that, you know, the... the um, you could be half man, half animal or... The pauper is made the king, uh, uh, you yeah. know, the, 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 mm. inver the inversion of hierarchies of identities. And for me, um, looking at the great kind of body of work that you do, that sense of inversion, turning things on their head, things not being what you think they are, um, is runs as a bit of a theme through bits of of what I see from the imagery. Um, the idea of drag, I'd love you to take us into drag because mm. I remember in a previous conversation with you, you slightly reframing for me what an idea of new drag is, modern drag is. So that's that's what I'd love you to, that idea of inversion and that the, that the festival carnival makes that possible. Yes, for sure. Um, first of all, yeah, you're tapping into something really important there again, and I'm glad that we are going there. And um, I find that transforming and the costume and things that you put on uh, actually a lot of the times express your essence hmm. rather than it is something that is uh, other to you right. it's something that is um closer to who you are rather than is i mean and also there is the element of transformation where you can take things on that are not yours and right. you can play with roles you know right. and um so I, I thought it was important to speak about both and um i think it, it gives you permission if anything it gives you permission to be everything that you want to be, whether it is something that is, you know, internal and you're just externalizing it, or whether it is something that you've been looking forward to try out and be mm. that persona or character or, you know, animal or whatever now and see how that feels in, in that transformation. Um, and then um I, in terms of, of my work and my drag, we spoke, I think, uh, about non-binary drag and being drag thing instead of, uh, you know, drag queens or drag kings and or. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, of course, there is the traditional idea of what drag is and that normally is a man dressed mm. with traditionally uh, um, a feminine appearance that uh, is stereotypically looking like a woman um, and it's really hard to describe because it's all so problematic <laughs> that it is you know that we're giving gender to clothes that we're giving that we are you know giving a very narrow definition to what uh, drug can be you know but to behaviors as well, that behaviors yeah. are gendered. Mm. Yeah, 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 all of it, exactly. Um, but we spoke about uh, drug being a uh, 
a step a step away from that that it can be just the any sort of gender doing any sort of gender mm-hmm. um within that uh of course we spoke i think or it's really important to mention drug kings uh mm-hmm. that are normally normally there are usually <laughs> i'm just you know words are so words. frustrating now yeah yeah words. yeah <clears throat> yeah so, um usually. yeah usually, usually. <laughs> usually. But, but to hear normally i noticed you know made me examine that in a, in a way so it's a, a kind of useful to use that word because then i think yeah normally what's mm. normal you know it just mm. it offers that as well so for sure yeah um so um drug kings are uh usually and normally um uh afab people so assigned female at birth people sometimes women uh i'm making this distinction as well because i think it's important that gender and sex are uh distinguished mm-hmm. and uh so assigned female at birth people that uh transform with their physical appearance primarily and then their mannerisms and then you know whatever their act is into something traditionally masculine and uh a an appearance that is uh like what we would consider a stereotypical male yeah Mm. yeah so that's kind of the the other binary idea of like drug man and, it, and woman you yes. know and th- yes the traditional historical idea of drag i guess yeah and the first original podcast conversation we had a few months back was with karen fish who Ooh. is a drag king yeah, yeah. and so you, you obviously know of karen and king frankie sinatra king frankie yes. sinatra and yeah, yeah. is what's that from her story was, was in the origin of kind of london drag king world yeah. mm. um, which was exactly that traditional type so, yeah so tell us how it's evolved yeah so um now drag is any um it can be done by any gender again but also for any gender and any gender expression. This is where drug things come in. So you're not aiming for a stereotypically masculine or a stereotypically feminine only appearance that is like stereotypically Mm -hmm. like a man and like a woman. It is merging everything, masculine, Mm -hmm. feminine, just bringing it all together and creating your own and expressing yourself uniquely and authentically and not going for you know any either or results but other but uh, um rather sorry going for um the mix of mm-hmm. of the two so i also find that there are drug things that are trans people that are more masculine in in their drug and they just are still owning a a trans identity as their drag persona and that's something really valid as well but overall i think what is really what really needs to be said is that drag can be anything i think that was another thing you can be 
animal drag you can be object drag you mm. can you know you can be a microphone you can be a uh a cat you can be you know whatever and that right. can be drag there's two two words that you use which are really powerful um which is permission mm. and transformation mm. you know For sure. the, it's a you said it's about permission giving yourself having permission to transform yourself into whatever you want to i know i love you can be you can be those three words are incredibly powerful for me mm. and when you were talking mm. you know it's like i'm imagining yeah wh where where would i go how would i e express that part of me i mean mm. of course it's part of being in theater was what i absolutely loved was being able to to take on something Transform. else but also the thing that you talk about allowing something out that's usually hidden you know the hidden story about me so i i find myself you know li listening to you and just imagining wow where where could i go and where would i go anywhere yeah 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 so taking these ideas back into your own practice and uh, and coming back to this idea of how your story shows up in your creative practice how would you answer that well, I'll start by because it's been a very uh, great connection from one part to the next. Thank you for leading it so clearly. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> led by you. Interesting conversation. Um, it is, um, yeah, for sure, the camp element of uh, my carnival origin story uh, is something that has really informed my performance and also sometimes my drug thing you know and my glitter beard and mm. the makeup is very like out there and it can be carnival like if mm. I've, I've been Dionysus what am I saying you know I don't need to define <laughs> I don't need to go much more into it you know like um so that's one part and I was also drug thing Dionysus um and Dionysus as well is such an icon for uh the the trans community uh, or pe people in general who want to um, see a, a gender queer or a non-binary or, you know, a, a um, some, someone who is, who was always beyond those ideas being represented and being, you know, uh, living their authentic life and living, living their best life. Mm. So, Dionysus is definitely an icon for that and I really resonate mm. um so um I kind of feel there should be a poster of Dionysus on the wall behind you he's like your <laughs> like your your hero Dionysus for mayor Dionysus for <laughs> prime minister I mean you know as amazing as Dionysus is you always have to take things with a grain of salt because um I I have way stronger ethics than Dionysus did and um some things are problematic like they're all our all our heroes are problematic in some ways yes. and definitely Dionysus is one of them but yeah I could definitely have a Dionysus poster somewhere um but yeah just to uh fully answer I think as well um other sides of my practice that um 
was it was it around my uh origin story that you asked or uh, just generally really how yeah. how you feel now it can be your present story now um mm -hmm. how how that becomes kind of generative for you in in your creative work um how much you are aware of it whether it's conscious or unconscious that you feel your story is expressed through your creative yeah. practice yeah i think uh first of all there is i spoke about the camp element there is also the queer element mm. that i've said in different words and ways but obviously this is a queer way of uh of being and mm. um i i've pretty much queered my way through my education and life without realizing without having those words mm -hmm. for it and uh the permission that my story has given me is because my interaction with others was so free in in those parades and you know that connection was so pure mm -hmm. i have had that permission and that experience before to get there and to hold that space as well because that space was held for me and then our parties and what i hosted was held in that way so now i can hold those rituals for instance or those workshops wow. that you know like in theater we explore ourselves and we we make a fool of ourselves constantly and <laughs> that's yeah. that's what but that's what you want you want to experiment and fully yeah go there wherever there is um so it has given me that experience and that permission as well as be because it didn't come from a very strict one-way training let's say in dance or in acting or whatever now i'm able to just improvise really naturally and also i am okay to inhabit different identities and different spaces and be an artist of all my disciplines and I think I hadn't made all that. Thank you for asking that question. I hadn't made that connection so deeply before you asked. It was a lovely answer. I love mm. that idea of um, holding the space, yeah. how you were held from birth in that carnival atmosphere space of permission, connection, liberation, release, expression. Mm. Yeah. So it showed you what was possible. And yeah. Yeah, and you're passing it on. Fantastic. What What's interesting, of course, is that we've had a year of, well, we haven't met. You know, we've had a year yeah. of not meeting people. And yeah. in fact... Well, and even the word lockdown oh. is antithetical to something to Dionysus. Yeah, yeah, to, to release. Yeah. Come on, where's Dionysus now? <laughs> yeah. We yeah. need him. Yeah. But, yeah. but I'm, I'm interested because we, we've only met because of lockdown, because yeah. we met through a WhatsApp group and started conversations. Mm. So I'm I, I'm very thankful for that. But, you know, a couple of things that you've said that are important to you, ritual and mm. um, in this in this last year that we've all experienced, I know I've had a sense of needing to create ritual structure in mm. a way um structure is a bit boring i much prefer the idea of ritual but mm. creating those grounding uh, mm. experiences and moments so that was one thing you said and the other is your strong connection to place and it's taken me to lockdown diaries with um, chronicles. chronicles now i see i said diaries because 
watching it again mm. it's a little bit like diary entries you know yeah it, yes. taking us through time through a time of lockdown and an experience and so when i asked the question how does your story show up in your work immediately i was like well listen to the words of of lockdown chronicles um but also a connection to people you know feeding off other people and these mm -hmm. are all things which have been impossible uh, yeah. impossible in this last year connection we've only been connected to one place most of us staying in these four walls mm -hmm. and we have not been connected to people in the same way so i've thrown a few a few things in there but they're all things that for me relate to this last year of lockdown and and key ideas that you've brought up for sure um yeah um you you've tapped into some yeah indeed very uh essential things in in my being and practice and um ritual I, I i so i started my own podcast as well booming the stars which is part of right. uh, yeah my ace grand uh solo project that was so different exactly because lockdown life and you don't like i was meant to collaborate and was still you know and yes. i i want to take again take a moment to acknowledge everything that you're saying about isolation and feeling like that lack of connection and i will say depression at times as well like it was and it has been very challenging to just be secluded and alone uh especially when uh your family uh, is away my family is back in patras mm -hmm. and my friends many of them returned to their home countries um mm -hmm. so or their home towns and whatever because not mm -hmm. everyone is from london so yep. that's been um yeah a, a great source of uh sadness yep. uh really and um yeah that has been anything but uh productive and creative and ritualistic in that sense mm -hmm. um but um i was speaking about the podcast because the uh podcast the first podcast episode that i did was on moon rituals and something that has kept me sane during the lockdown being by myself uh, a lot of the time is connecting with others through something deeply spiritual. Mm. Um, and that was the first time I introduced my uh, rituals, which I should call ceremonies because they are elaborate. <laughs> um, mm. uh, on, on, I introduced it to a, a bigger group of people. In the past, I had like my one-to-ones and that's something I really cherish and value. But then I was able to bring it to more people anywhere they were. And that was really supportive to me. And also I found it was very supportive to others. And yeah. um, because it is about the moon it, and astrology is part of it, um, there are also uh, every other disciplines. We are doing movement meditation, as I, as I said, and movement and um breathing techniques and you know my workshop facilitating and performance background also feeds in and you know it all becomes this other transdisciplinary <laughs> ritual right. of, of yeah of a ceremony and um so yeah it was a good way for me to keep in contact with 
what I do in my practices and also to connect with others on a deeper level, as well as introduce astrology as another discipline of mine and also a discipline that other people can use and you don't have to be, you know, an astrologer to um, to use, to have a moon ritual, to, to be connected to the moon, to be connected, you know, to, to the divine or whatever, to the universe, whatever you connect to. So that was a very important thing. And now I want to go into the word a bit and speak about what you said about uh, structure and ritual mm. and routine, which is, you know, something that we were all encouraged to keep when uh, the first lockdown happened and onwards. And ritual can be anything. Again, I, I'm, I'm going to like subvert all the words, <laughs> but yeah. It's, it's the intention that you have behind it. Brushing your teeth is a, is a mundane, everyday ritual. It can be, you know. Uh, just drinking a glass of water is a ritual. Just bringing that awareness and that intention to it um, is what makes it a ritual. Yeah. Um, you know, going to sleep is a ritual. Uh, which... we, used, we had, Jane, started, Jane and I started to develop... Uh, a really quintessentially English ritual in this household, um, which was at about 4.30. If we have done enough work, the, the proper china would come out and we have a couple of proper china, bone china cups and a pot of tea. I don't didn't normally really drink black tea, but I would join in and we would sit and we would stop and we'd have tea and mm. milk. Oh and it was yeah it was just it's it's a mundane thing we're drinking a drink but i do know that coffee can be a ritual in my life as well when yeah. and where i'll have a coffee because it's a moment of stopping mm. connecting looking at the horizon so mm. i totally identify with what you're saying yeah. it can be anything yeah. yeah breathing can be a ritual you know mm. like something we're constantly it's purposeful yeah yeah uh, yeah and anything yeah you know it's uh, it's it's connected to that, to the intention and to that awareness. Mm. Um, and yeah. Um, the other thing I was talking about was connection to, to place and people. Yeah. Because, you know, in lockdown chronicles, you you do you move, you do take us to Patras and you do yeah. bring us back to London. Um, yeah. So that was one thing that I, that I was just interested in your connection to place. Yes. Yeah, of course. So, um, it is it is really a retelling part of uh the so lockdown chronicles is all set in Pat patras i was having part of the lockdown in the first few months of the lockdown were in london for me um and uh the film starts from the beginning of the lockdown as if i was having it in patras right. uh, um so uh, I made that distinction because I only went to Patras after everything had been opened and, not, you know, everything had been lifted a bit, the restrictions. Yeah. And like Jane said, uh, I think that was in our pre-conversation about like not being able to create sometimes when you're in it, when you feel mm -hmm. the pressure of the lockdown. So the lockdown was not necessarily a creative time for me. It was a time of dealing with the trauma of what this is collectively and personally and you know all of that and then when I did finally get the chance to like 
go back that's when everything just fell into place and I did have the ideas and I was commissioned by Kunstram to do anything and as I got to Patras I uh, met my favorite director uh, who is Zeta Spiraki she's also Greek and she's also from Patras and it was an incredible synergy of events and things that made lockdowns chronicle sorry lockdown chronicles happen in Patras with an old Patras native crew wow, <laughs> well. yeah yeah and our, the crew was literally me and her um and her amazing boyfriend who drove us sometimes sometimes we drove she drove us sometimes uh we had some help but it was yeah it was crazy um and very okay, we're really doing this. And uh, we, I broke down the what had happened in scenes, mm. as you said, like a diary entry. So it was the very beginning that I wanted to speak about and I wanted to then uh, to speak about insomnia and the, that mm. part of really, it, it's, it's a journey of catharsis and it has the structure of tragedy, Lockdown Chronicles. Um, so uh, there is catharsis in the end, spoiler alert, but it is, you know, <laughs> um, it is that like heart wrenching catharsis, like that you've scratched your way out of, clawed your way out of something rather than, you know, just uh, happy go lucky. Oh, that's over. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, so yeah, it has like very much the tones of tragedy tragedy and the structure of it and I wanted to speak about the personal things and I want to speak about the social things and I wanted to speak about you know um to make a few points while I'm also rediscovering my origins as you pinpointed it is in that place and it's the first time I did a piece of work in Patras I think right that, you know uh I've, I've performed a couple of times live before I left because I left when I was 18 and like as a, as a young actor, but that was it. That was the first time I was doing anything. So it was really um, essential for me to connect the dots. Mm. And, 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 and Patras feels very strongly part of the piece. It's not just a backdrop. It's like yeah. it, it grounds it. You kind yeah. of talk about, you talk about the origins of theatre, don't you? And coming yeah. back into a live space with people and you're standing in a bit of a kind of arena and yeah. feels very located with place. Absolutely. It's, yeah, essential that it is in Patras and it is where it is. And all the locations meant something to me before mm. beforehand. So there is a lot of truth and honesty and authenticity and real connection to everything that's led to that point mm. to the point that I, we start filming to the point of the lockdowns to the point of my life then and there um so for example the train station scene i wanted to film in that place i knew i had to for 15 years i went you know that was what uh, a place i would pass when i would go swimming with friends and i knew that was a place of transit and significance and then when we went back to film about the transits the broken transits with the broken trains and you know like that was there was magic happening for for me and my journey and also it was kind of 
my catharsis as, as a person and as a performer in real time while I was filming it and I was performing for for the camera and for the film. Um, and I want to say as well about the the creative process that um, it was a lot of spontaneity. It was a lot of what was coming up in the moment. Right. So that really helped it being even more authentic and healing and true in the, in the catharsis element. I really loved in the film, you know, that sense of uh, time in the body and our bodies being in time you know so like in the insomnia moments we just hear the ticking of a clock and also that mm. other idea that when you're shaving your hair that you know our our body keeps keeps time for us in this sort of mm. growth that by how long our hair is literally coming out of our bodies but our bodies in time i, th I thought that was really really powerful Thank you, and and thank you for mentioning as well that obviously um, that the first lockdown was all shot in Patras, but the second was in London, and it was in a studio in London, and um, it was so ironic because the film was finished. We had finished the film in Patras, but then we had a second lockdown here, and I had to relate it back to the time that it was being shown. Mm. and that was the deciding factor it was already in my mind but I was gonna drop it potentially but the fact that the time and moment and space that we were in the second lockdown I thought there is no way that I this is a film about lockdown and I'm not gonna film now yeah. where I'm at and bring it to the present and reflect that as well so yeah many threads around time and how it's all connected hmm. and and then the link into the outside world as we've as we've touched on you know blm and everything that's you know felt like because of this particular moment in time we were able to listen in a way that we haven't been listening mm. um and i love the way so that the film is so internal and so in your body but then it goes right out into the world and you're your activism as you know as well as your artistry it's it's about your activism and the things that you believe in politically well leastways that's what i take yeah yeah it's, yes yes certainly yes it is very embodied it is you know bringing the time to uh, to me measuring the time to how long your hair has grown and like seeing that as your internal metronome and your clock uh your body clock um but then also uh, that's how I structured it in the scenes as well of like, that's how how little it gets. It gets as little as this hair and the importance of the hair and length in millimeters, but as well as speaking about Black Lives Matter and uh, how that trauma and also the related trauma to Alexis, which is a another uh, um, murder that happened from the Greek police to a Greek teenager that has... Um, scarred my generation and every year um, around the date I, I feel the same way almost as I felt because we were the same age when it happened and it was yeah like uh, an age-defined um, thing for for Greeks specifically that uh, would connect them definitely connected to me to black lives matter in a different way mm -hmm. uh and i think it was very important to 
bring into the activism and bring into the connection of the places and the identities. And then uh, at the where there is a, a funeral, I, I think I'm, I'm giving away the whole film, but there is a funeral uh, as well where I'm chanting, and that really happened uh, for a stray kitten that I had found. And there is a big problem with stray animals in Greece. And um, that was part of something that I really wanted to bring to the forefront in my art. And it's something that occupies my mind. And I want to definitely do some more um, activism work on. Hmm. So, yeah, it was very much about what was going out as well. It's an amazing piece of work. There's so much in it. There's so much in there. <laughs> and there's so much in this conversation that we could that we could just keep opening up. But I'm aware of time. Yeah. Um, not only our hair growing, but everything <laughs> time moving on. Um, just final, final thoughts, final question. Um, connecting to other people, the live moment happening in groups of people. We're in this moment now where theatres are about to open. Cinemas mm -hmm. are open. What do you feel about that? Nervous. I feel nervous. Mm. I feel, well, kind of like I'm about to go on stage myself. Like, <laughs> but the world is the stage. Wow. You know, um, I'm going to see two beautiful productions of uh, AFAB-only casts. Uh, so that's happening and that's live theater and I cannot wait. And it's happening outside in a... In the Lady Garden, it's the theatre. It's really near. <laughs> in South yes. East London. Yeah, right. exactly. Really nice. Great. Um, for that. Yeah, so that's really fun. I'm going to... I know some of the people who are performing and I know some, you know, like it's a great production and yeah, I'm excited to see it. But we were saying as well, I'm not excited to be indoors. I feel yeah. nervous yeah. about being indoors. Like I feel nervous as if I'm about to perform something. I guess there is that, like, I know what's meant to happen. I've been here before. I've rehearsed for it and I've done it before, but I don't, the circumstances are different. And yeah, that's where I'm at. So let's hope that we can cautiously open up mm. and start to enjoy being close to other people again in those live Dionysian moments of release. <laughs> yeah, it's like two notions going on at the same time. Yeah, the nervousness, but also like that crave for connection. And, and meeting you in real life. Let's do that when, when we can. <laughs> and let's do that. Yeah, please, let's, let's do that do in that. a moment of Dionysian release. Well, I, oh want, to come, I want to come and do a moon yeah. ritual one time. Oh, my God, yes, definitely. That would be amazing. We'll book yeah. it. Awesome. Thank Sandra. you so much. Thank you so much for a fantastic conversation. Thank you. My absolute pleasure. Thank you both so, so much for this. I've really enjoyed myself. I'm so glad we did it.